with the first pick in the DA draft. Welcome to With the First Pick Podcast. My name is Danny. I am here joined again by Jose and Taylor. Good evening, fellas. Good evening. Basketball is back. The bubble's here. The season's about to start again, so we're, I'm happy. Hey, guys. Good to be on. Basketball is back. Yeah, I mean, we, we are excited. Basketball is finally back. The bubble has started. We are recording this on the 26th, Sunday night. We have every team has played now two out of their three scrimmage games. Any big takeaways so far, fellas? Other than Bull Bull being the scrimmage league MVP so far? I think LeBron James is leading the league in in falls and spills. So that's that's <laughs> a start. I just don't want him to keep doing that for the rest of the exhibition games. Yeah, no, it's been good to see them get after it. I know watched the first game, Paul George looked really good. The Nuggets have been super fun with their bit large lineup. Ben Simmons was shooting some threes the other day. Yeah, it was fun. It's just fun to to get it going. I'm hoping the guys are really going to take the last scrimmage, get a lot of minutes in, and then starting Thursday, Friday, we'll really get the season rolling. And that'll I think it'll it'll add a little bit more excitement, intensity, and that should be even more fun than we're watching now. Some teams had to shake off a little bit of the rust. You know, the basketball wasn't as clean uh, at some portions of the game. But at other times, teams look really, really good. It looked like they didn't skip the beat. Taylor, to give your Rockets a compliment, I saw James Harden today. He looked really good. He played against Memphis and Jaw. He took uh, Morant to school. He had a crossover step back three right in Jaw's face. So it was cool to see kind of basketball be more normal. There's some names that have been going in and out of the bubble. The biggest name, perhaps, is Zion. Zion is back with the team, and it's likely that he'll be playing their last scrimmage game. Uh, So that's good news in terms of Pelicans fans and them getting Zion back into the bubble. And then there's some people that have left. DeMontis Sabonis, we believe he had some issues with his plantar fasciitis. He went to see a specialist, but we do believe he'll try to be back in time for playoff run here. But that's a big name. Uh, In addition to that, we had the Lou Williams situation uh, this weekend. It's a bit of a mess. We're not going to go too deep into it. Essentially, Williams had to step out and go back to Atlanta for a short time because his grandfather died. But what happened is he took a detour to the Magic City Gentlemen's Club in Atlanta. Uh, He was there and his photo got tweeted And so that led to all sorts of issues, specifically with him coming back to the bubble and the possibility of exposure. The NBA uh, investigated the issue. Uh, Lou Williams did admit to going to um, the Gentleman's Club. They have issued a 10-day quarantine for him. In terms of days, you know, maybe the safest amount of days would be 14 after exposure. That's usually um, how much days you need to make sure there's not an onset of symptoms. But 10 days seems reasonable. So he's going to be quarantined for uh, those 10 days in order to get back into play. Obviously, that's a that's a big hit for the Clippers, who are likely not going to have them for their first two games in the bubble. Uh, fellas, any thoughts on the guys going in and out of the bubble? Did you guys hear Lou Williams' reasoning, trying to defend himself, talking about how that's one of his – the Magic City Gentlemen's Club is actually one of the, his favorite places to get a meal? 
Yeah, they uh, have wings named after him, and he's mentioned in another podcast. So, I mean, I believe him. It's just you can't do that. Like that's that's risking the entire bubble. You believe him, Danny? You believe him? That's the reason no, why. I, I don't care. Like I don't care. The man can do what he wants. It's just stupid yeah. either way, right? Like yeah. it's stupid either way. And so, if you're going to go back to the bubble specifically the next day, like you shouldn't go out to expose yourself in a public area like that, right? So, I think that's the biggest kind of concern here. Yeah, I disagree. You just don't want the integrity of the bubble to be impacted by a decision that someone makes that's not in the best interest in the entire league. So I know a few a few individuals have left, whether it's Beverly, Harrell, I know Austin Rivers, Zion, a few other guys. So hopefully when they come back and they quarantine and they do the testing, they'll be able to continue to isolate it. So if they do show symptoms, they won't impact the bubble at all. So a little bit unfortunate, but hopefully it's a non-issue. Speaking of folks being back, Adrian Wojnarowski is back, and he dropped a Woj bomb in his return. The New York Knicks and Tom Thibodeau have agreed to a five-year deal to make him the franchise's next coach. What do you all think about that? What do you all think about the Tom Thibodeau hiring? I think they're gonna. he's going to teach them they're going to play harder for him. I just don't know how long it'll last. All I know is that I had Mitchell Robinson this year in fantasy, and I dropped him I'm definitely going to try to pick him up again because Thibodeau is going to try to play him like 42 minutes a game. <laughs> so I want that production. And the Knicks have just been a mess for so long. Sometimes it doesn't even matter who the coach is, whether they're good or bad. In a few years, it'll just be the same cycle. They'll underperform. They'll fire them and find someone else. You'd like to think that this they could do a little bit better just based on the fact that Thibodeau hasn't had a ton of success in his most recent roles and some of the reputation he has. But you never know. I know he has a good relationship with some of the front office. He's not a bad coach. He definitely knows how to teach defense. So hopefully it'll make the Knicks better. But <laughs> they got to draft good players, and they got to sign good players. And until they do that, it won't matter. Do you have, do you have suggestions, Taylor, for who would, be, who would be a better head coach? I know they were looking at Jason Kidd. Are there other people that you you think that they should have considered? Well, I don't know the list, right? I'd like to think that the Knicks could be able to get a good coach, but maybe not. I mean, I know the ownership is not necessarily the best in the NBA. might even be the worst. I don't know. I wasn't a lot of names where I'm like, hey, you had to pick this mm-hmm. guy, whether it's Mark Jackson or – you know, Jeff Van Gundy. It would be nice if one of those yeah. guys could have got signed so they can just get Doris Burke on, <laughs> on the call there. But those guys will never get coaching jobs, so Doris Burke will continue to, you know, roll, I, I roll the sidelines. Like yeah. Those guys might have been a better – I'm not – I don't know. I, I'm not big on, on Tom Thibodeau. I don't yeah. know. I feel like especially where the NBA is going, and I think, you know, his style of coaching was good when he was back with, uh, you know, that Celtics run in 2008 to 2010. But I think uh, – that's a style of basketball that he is effective for. I just think, to Taylor's point, I don't think he's been effective since mm-hmm. then. I don't know. I just feel like this this is just the Knicks yeah. being the Knicks and getting in their own way again, unfortunately. So Well, well if you we'll think see. about the trend, if you think about the trend now from NBA front offices, it's, it's to promote assistant coaches to these first-time head coaching jobs. And those guys are the ones that are actually doing really, really great, like Taylor Jenkins, right? And um, this New York Knicks team would actually be a perfect roster for an, an assistant coach, aspiring future head coach to actually take over. You don't really have those superstars that need to win right now. It would be an opportunity to coach these young guys and develop them into professionals and great pro players. So 
I mean, I agree with that. I think a change from maybe having a, a not so famous name might be a, a welcome thing for the Knicks, right? Like, I think that just gives them to get someone who's maybe not, doesn't have the name recognition that might give the coach more time and more time for the players to sort of develop and a culture to develop. But I feel like when you try to sort of microwave like a process, like, well, let's just get a big name and let's just assume that we'll be making, you know, playoff push. I just think that that is, if that's the standard you're just going to kind of constantly have, I think what Taylor said is true. Like just going to be a, you know, a cycle of mediocrity over and over and over. I mean, they're not even mediocre. They're just, they've been awful. And I think a lot of that has not necessarily been the coaching, but has been just the players they've signed, the moves that they've made, the draft picks they made. So who knows? It might be a great move. I wish Thibodeau the best, but we'll see. And the good thing is they do have cap room. (laughs) So I'm interested to see what input Thibodeau has in terms of the players that they might sign here. With basketball starting up this uh, Thursday, one of the things that's really cool and I'm really excited to, to see is the NBA has an agreement with Microsoft to recreate the atmosphere of a packed arena without any physical fans. They are really trying to uh, have a home court feel without obviously having the home court um, atmosphere right now because of the COVID and being in the bubble. But part of their partnership with Microsoft is the league is planning to use software to put more than 300 fans in the stands. Uh, They're going to use AI to segment people's faces and shoulders and put them in a digital space with other people where they can be cheering for their team, doing chants, saying things. So you're going to kind of get a little bit of a home court feel for these games. And I'm really excited about that. (laughs) Just thinking about them using AI to put fans out there. I, I, you know, I saw the games over the last two days uh, uh, that wasn't there, but I'm really excited to see what this looks like for, for the upcoming games and into the playoffs. I'm excited, but I'm a little skeptical. I want to see how that looks. I want to actually see if it actually provides some type of home court advantage or it's just some type of gimmicky kind of thing that's not going to last in the long run. But I'm, I'm glad they're trying. Uh, let's just keep trying new things when we're in the bubble. Like, I mean, this is the perfect time to do it. I agree. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's just nice to see them trying something. So. Yeah, and to be quite honest, even if they didn't do anything, right now I think it's actually pretty good. They, they really figured out a way to kind of make up the arena and the structure it in a way where you can't see stands or empty stands where you don't feel like you're in a convention center type thing. And they have like, you know, the, the home team's logos up. So I think they've done a really good job. Um, but yeah, really excited to see what they do. It reminds me somewhat of summer league play, like when I watch summer league games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like the, the home court feel of NBA games, but it, it kind of reminds me of that. So now we are going to jump to our picks for NBA awards. We talked about this in our last podcast. The voting for the NBA awards is going to be happening between uh, the 21st, which was a few days ago, till the 28th before the season resumes. Again, we're recording this on the 26th. So we wanted to make sure we uh, provided our picks before any of the awards are announced or anything is leaked. So we wanted to make sure um, we gave our listeners our picks. So that's what we're going to do now. Uh, I know there's a lot more awards that are a part of the ceremony, but we're going to cover the six major ones and in the all NBA team, uh, first team. And I'm going to sort of give us a category. I'm going to give you my pick and I'm going to allow you fellas to chime in, whether you agree, disagree, or just add any input. Does that sound okay? Yeah, definitely. Sounds good. 
All right. So let's start off with the coach of the year award. So for my pick for coach of the year, I have Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is just in his second year as a head coach, but I think we talked about it in our last pod. I think all of us feel like he's the best coach in the NBA. A big part of me giving this award to him really is is coming from what he did last year uh, to win the NBA finals. But losing Kawhi, losing guys like Danny Green, the Raptors have still chugged along and have really uh, used this year to um, contend and to defend their title. In addition to that, I think despite injuries that they've had, uh, Nurse has still continued to um, develop players to get weird in terms of throwing out different schemes out there, zone defenses, you know, full court traps. Um, and Toronto has been good again. And they have, uh, you know, been solid. And, and part of what we did with our season preview, a lot of us were really high on the Raptors again. So I think Nick Nurse is deserving of this. I agree. I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of the season that they'd be number two in the East, even though they're the defending champions. And I think with that Toronto Raptors team, Nick Nurse, they know who they are. They have an identity. They're a team that plays hard on defense. They're deep and they just, they're smart and they love to play basketball and Nick Nurse and they're led well by Nick Nurse. So I think that's the right. I think he is the coach of the year. Okay. And that's your pick too, Jose. That's who you would pick. Okay. So I think Nick Nurse is going to win. I think that he will win. He's not the one that I would have voted for. I think if I was voting, I would have picked Billy Donovan with the Thunder. I know that Budenholzer with the Bucks and Jenkins with the Grizzlies were popular choices. But I just thought, you know, with the Thunder losing Russ and losing George and losing just so much of that identity and expected to win, you know, somewhere around 30, low 30 games this year. And what they did in terms of, you know, implementing Chris Paul and building around to where they're using some of these guys and then taking SGA, taking Schroeder. I just think they just overachieved to a level that most people didn't think. I think a lot of individuals are like, hey, they're tanking. They're trying to get all these picks. And no, they're really competitive. And they could be as high as like the four or five seed in the playoffs in a, in a relatively competitive Western Conference. And so I think he doesn't get enough credit for what he did with the Thunder this year. And so because of that turnover and what they did with the expectations, I think it's more impressive than what Nurse did because Nurse still has a competitive team. I think Nurse not winning it last year and then winning the title in this year means he will. But I would I would vote for Donna if I had a vote. Yeah, and I think that uh, like I, I think I agree with you, Taylor. I think that that in the sense that it, I think that's why that's a big part in voting for him. I just think what he did with the finals, even though we think that that might be that him winning it might be more attributed to the past. I mean, they're still second ranked in defense. They're still fifth best in net rating. They had a they had a 15 game win streak before the All Star game, even with injuries. So. I, I think Nick Nurse is the way to go. Obviously, we can disagree on this, but you know what? I think that's. I think we're we're in this season where there's so much talent in terms of NBA coaches. I think there's a really good amount of solid NBA coaches out there. Uh, again, which is why we're a little confused about why uh, the Knicks went the way they went. And I know there's other names out there like Budenholzer, uh, Vogel, and and so I think that there could be a lot of arguments. You know, we talked about Jenkins also. There can be a lot of arguments for Coach of the Year, but. You know, I, I do think, I think all of us think Nick Nurse is going to win it. I think Taylor uh, would go with Billy Donovan. Uh, but yeah, those Taylor, are our coaches. Taylor, 
I mean, I, I understand the pick. I, I had Billy Donovan second on, on my board for Coach of the Year. I mean, they're 40 and 24. Like, they're 16 games above 500. That's pretty great. They actually have a better winning percentage than they did last year at this time. So I also wonder, like, how much Chris Paul had to play in that, just his leadership too. But, I mean, he's just one person. And in implementing that three-guard lineup has been really, really helpful to their winning. So. Next award we have here is six man of the year, six man of the year. This was a toss up for me, but I think I'm going to go with Montrezl Harrell. He's having the most productive season of his career, 18.6 points, 7.1 rebounds, 1.7 assists. He's shooting at nearly 61% true shooting. Uh, he's come off the bench 61 of the 63 games that they have played. Um, although he's limited in his playmaking and maybe in his defense at times, uh, the impact he has on his team is really significant. I disagree, Danny, for my six-man. Um, for my six-man, I had Dennis Schroeder for the Thunder. I have to reward the guy. I mean, he's gotten some flack in previous years because of his lack of defensive time, lack of effort, but he's really stepped it up this year. He's averaging 19 points a game coming off the bench, shooting 46.8% from the field, 38% from three-point range, four assists and almost four rebounds and he's complimented SGA and Chris Paul well but I mean those I think those two are the favorites to win it so I think it's going to come from one of those two guys. Yeah Danny I, I agree with you I had Harrell as my pick I didn't do too much effort he was just seems like the guy when you're looking at all the, the different candidates or contenders and I think he just had the best season and I think Lou Williams wins it so much that they're so close. Harold's a little bit better. I think that would edge him out. Yeah, and I, yeah. and I, and I think he'll just, I think sure a good choice, but I think, I think it's going to be Harold. I think he's going to win. Yeah. I, I like Schroeder as well. He'd probably be number two on my list. Jose. I think what, what he's been able to do in that OKC team who, you know, has Chris Paul and SGA on that team, they've still found a way to make it work. And I think that that speaks to, how Schroeder has been willing to adapt and change his skill set and how he works with the team. Um, so I, I don't disagree that that would be um, a bad pick here. But yeah, I think I think Montrez might be the favorite. Next, we're going to jump to most improved player. I think we might have some differences in here. I felt like this area was uh, a little bit more wide open. Uh, but I'm going to have a former Laker. I'm going to have B.I. Brandon Ingram as my most improved player. He had his first all-star appearance this year. He's averaging career highs in points, rebounds, assists. I know a lot of people talk about Zion, but when Zion, when Zion was gone this year, it was really B.I. who was driving this team. With him putting up career numbers across the board, he's also been able to uh, really know how to distribute the ball. He's a better playmaker, and that's telling. When his assists went up from 3 to 4.3 a game, so he's been able to really develop as a playmaker as well. His rebounds have also increased. Um, so I, I, I really, you know, I know there's other guys here like Bam Adebayo, but just because of where Ingram was and, and the drastic development that he's had over a year, I'm going to have to go with Brandon Ingram here. I agree with you, Danny. I actually had him as most improved. And not just because I'm a Laker fan as well, but just, just seeing the drastic improvement. And when I was watching him as a Laker, you saw the flashes, right? You saw how good he can be, but you also saw the moments where that just make you just scratch your head, right? And I, I think he shored up a lot of those uh, weaknesses. I think for me, one of the big ones was free throw line. 
he was always one for me. He would always miss one of two, like, or sometimes two of two in moments. And now he really shored that up and really has become a better free throw shooter. I think for me, the next step in his development as he continues to get stronger is on the defensive end because he has a lot of potential as a defender. And I think he'll get better um, as he continues to grow. I think most improved player is such a, a interesting category because it's consumerly broad. I, I know for some articles that I read, they had Luka Doncic as the most improved. And I, I feel like that's, you need to play longer to become most improved. I feel like you need to at least get like, at least. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't I don't know. Just for, <laughs> I, 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 you have to play longer to be most improved. <laughs> well, because like, I, as a, I as a, I I think I as a rookie, saying. as a rookie, you're supposed to like. I mean, you're you're drafted, and maybe it's playing playing time. You adjusted the league that first year, so you're kind of supposed to make that jump the second year. You know, maybe Jose, so, like, I think what I think what maybe you could resonate with this. I think the reason, for example, why I picked him him over at Bam is because I think Bam was already good, like last year. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he got better. Like, so Luca to me he was like everyone all, yeah. start right off the bat. So like to me, it's like that improvement. It's just like. It's not like this year I'm like, oh, wow, Luca really stepped it up. It's like, well, yeah, like, Luca's fantastic. You know, I don't know. I don't know. No, I mean, I just, I just feel like if you're a rookie you're, and you're a rookie who's supposed to be good, you're going to have good numbers. And then if you jump to your second year, I feel like that's kind of expected. And, I mean, that's just how I see most improved, right? I'm not a voter. I mean, I agree. People had, so. people had, like, Jason Tatum on the list, Luka Doncic. And I'm like, I don't know, like – these guys, I feel like they're producing at the level we're expecting them. I think there has to be significant improvement where we're actually at least shocked or a little bit surprised to give someone the most improved. Like, I'm not like, shocked by Tatum <laughs> being good or Doncic. No, that's nothing to do with the award. It's, hey, the season before and the season now, there's a level of improvement where this player was the most improved. It doesn't matter how good they were in the past or how good they are no, now. But, but it does because that, that cost but Luka was not. Luca was not a first-team All-NBA player last year. And he was this year, right? And he's not my pick, but I'm just saying, like, Jason Tatum was not the all-star he was last year that he was this year. These guys have made in- incredible, like, adjustments like, and yeah. improvements. How big did they increase? I don't know. Look at, I mean, just look at all the people who are on the list. They're all really good players. Most but, I mean, really good players. Maybe, maybe, maybe we can look back at all the most improved players, like, all throughout history and kind of just see where they, where they were. Because I don't really know if we – there's been a lot of most improved players – under second year yeah. i mean i think if we look back through history it's guys who have made like crazy jumps that we didn't know were gonna that these jumps were gonna happen so well yeah so you i mean you're thinking that you want them to all be like siakams is that right yeah that's more fair uh, i mean I Giannis, Giannis was like a he was the guy that was a, a most did he, player did, Giannis won right he won yeah MIT, i mean there's right? these are all like all-stars yeah. paul george jimmy butler oladipo i mean these are all individuals who had i mean before that maybe in the 2000s there's a few guys that might not be I, too well see, i feel like brandon brandon ingram fits the, the mold of those guys more than luka Doncic. Is, does that make sense like no i agree i mean ingram was definitely someone where i think his growth to where he went from in the last few years was hey is this guy going to turn out to be what the second pick what we think he's mm-hmm. going to be and i think he took a huge leap forward this maybe, year maybe we're hey, just being a uh, bias as laker fans maybe taylor so you yeah. might have us here who do you have though Oh, I, I like Bam. So I think so Bam was Bam the guy. Yeah. yeah. So I think he's, Adebayo, he's my number two. I think he's going to win, and I think he should win. I think when when Whiteside left and he took over, it was hey, he's not. This year he wasn't just a guy who's going to rebound. You know, get like a a low double double and maybe a few blocks. 
I mean, the offense like runs through him. He gets a lot of assists. He does so much. He's obviously was an all-star this year and his growth has just been phenomenal. And so I just think him and Ingram, 1A, 1B. If I had to pick, I'd go Bam. But if someone picked Ingram, I would say, yeah, I agree with that too. So those would be the, my top two guys. But I think if Luka won, that's okay. And Tatum wins, that's okay. I don't think they will win. But that's those are sort of like the top four, top five type guys. So we haven't talked about any of these picks. So I don't know how contentious or not contentious this one will be. But there has been a lot of uh, back and forth on this. Um, and I don't know why uh, for this award. But it's Rookie of the Year. I have John Morant, and, and I think it's clear that he should have it. Um, he's the number two overall pick. He led the freshman class in total points assist. He's ranked number 11 amongst all players in clutch scoring. Um, he's shooting at 53.8% from the floor in the final five minutes of games when the score is within five points. Just the way he is able to play make, get to good spots for himself, for his teammates, the explosiveness he has, the way he can thread the needle with his passing, manipulate the defense, just phenomenal. Uh, similarly to what you shared, Taylor, about OKC, I think people were expecting the Grizzlies to tank. Uh, but here they are um, in the eighth seed with a really good chance to make the playoffs with a three-and-a-half game lead of other teams. So I, I think what Jaw has done, his, his speed, his quickness, his vision, his touch, I don't know, he's, he's, he's an awesome player. Even with the team that they've built there in Memphis, I think the future is bright, and I think Jaw um, is just a good player to kind of feature. But, I mean, they have JJJ, and then they also have Brandon Clark there. Um, so I'm really excited for, for Memphis, but I do think it, it starts with Morant and him making everyone else uh, better around him. So I have John Morant as my rookie of the year. No disagreements for me, Danny. I had him number one, too. And this isn't like a situation with like with Embiid and Brogdon and Brogdon winning it. Like John Morant is a star. If you watch him play, you know that that guy is going to be a star if he stays healthy. He's great. I mean, we talked about it last week in one of, in our bubble in our bubble pod that the whole Memphis team gets confidence because of Jaws' play, and I hope they go far. They're part. They're one of my bubble teams, so I'll go for. Uh, <laughs> no, you do not hope they go far. You do not want them to beat the Lakers. So, but we can. Yeah, but Danny, it's not contentious at all. I think he'll be the unanimous uh, rookie of the year, and I think it's, <laughs> I think it's a really easy pick. Anyone. Can they still can they still jump to the seven seed? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. No. They, I don't think they have a winning record, but no, they're not going to do that. So you you want them to have a nice little little run, um, little season here and get swept in the first round. I think is what you really want. So the next category is defensive player of the year. My pick for this is AD. So I have Anthony Davis for the Lakers. You know, I think obviously he's one of the most talented guys uh, offensively for the league. Uh, but I think his defense has really transformed uh, this uh, Laker team. Davis is averaging 2.5 blocks per game. And also for someone being seven feet tall, he's averaging 1.5 steals per game, uh, which is really good. I think the thing also that, that Anthony Davis adds value to the Lakers at some time is, is a notice is that I think him being out there and being a rim protector, playing this, the tough defense that he does actually uh, challenges LeBron to be a better defender as well. So Anthony Davis is ranked third in defensive box plus minus, and I think he's making uh, the Lakers uh, better on the defensive end. He's he's a guy that sort of anchors our defense, and not only that, he's a big that can actually go out to the three-point line and challenge shots. So I have uh, Anthony Davis as my defensive player of the year. 
I had him too. And, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Taylor's hate on us now, but I think like <laughs> I'm not the, a hater. you guys are just ridiculous, but continue. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna eventually have Taylor vote for the guy he doesn't like. So um <laughs> but I mean if you look at the Lakers team, they were not supposed to be a good defensive team. Like um, coming into the season, I think this was all surprising for us. Them having the third best defensive team before the shutdown, and um, it kind of just unlocked his role as a great weak side defender. And if you watch him, just having to guard actual like great uh, offensive players, he's actually done that as well. I mean, my main argument with it is that that Lakers team, as far as the, the defensive players that are on that team, I think are more lacking than some of the some of the teams like Milwaukee or. Um, I think, yeah, just Milwaukee, who has a Giannis, you know. So I think Giannis, they, they have a lot of really good defenders on that team. So I feel like ADs had to do more for the Lakers. So the Lakers have no good defenders. Like Dwight Howard's not a good defender. He's not an all-time defensive guy. Avery Bradley's not a good defender. But, Danny Green's hey. not a good defender. I mean, these are not good defenders. I'm just, I just, I'm curious. Like, do you want me, do you want me to respond? I mean, if you ask this in the beginning of the season, I don't think people were saying that. Like, they weren't saying Avery Bradley, Bradley was a good player. They were saying he was washed at the beginning of the season. Like they weren't saying his same, defense same, was same, washed. Same thing with Dwight Howard. They were no one was saying that these guys couldn't defend. Anyway, look, you guys, he might get the third. He might get third place, Anthony Davis. So I'm glad you I guys think, thought. I think, I think he was the, good. Big, the big reason why I would say AD is different than maybe Javale or even Dwight Howard is that uh, with him, I think he can guard fours and fives, and because he's so agile. Like one of the things that really stuck out to no, me is no, is he's opponents... better. No, the argument is not whether these guys are better defensively than Anthony Davis. We, I know Anthony Davis is better defensively in terms of this year. It's more the argument that Jose is making is that the Bucks have all these amazing defenders, and yet the Lakers have no one. I think that's fair. I think people would say that the the Bucks are a better defensive team than the Lakers overall. Yeah, because they have Giannis, the the best defensive player. No, I think in the NBA, he, that's why. I think take Giannis and AD out. You think that the Bucks have a you do you think the Lakers have a better defensive team than the Bucks? No, but I think they have really good defenders. I mean, right. obviously well, the Bucks have Bledsoe. They have Brook Lopez. What we're saying is AD, same, like, AD has yeah. a greater impact. That's what we're saying on a team that's less talented. <laughs> no, but the Lakers have a lot of great defenders. I mean, like it's not like LeBron can't defend, and it's I not like the these guys whole, can't defend. Maybe, maybe it's because you're you're a Rocket fan. But I know that the Lakers were getting so much flack for getting a team that played no D when we got our acquisitions at the beginning of the year. Okay, so the Lakers improved defensively. That's great. But they yeah, were not. But, I, but, attribu- but we're attributing this that to like, AD. Yeah, okay. That's the so he helped, but he's not statistically better in anything that Giannis is doing. The Lakers do not have the best defense. It's not, hey, the Lakers made such a great improvement. So this guy is such a key to that. We're going to give him the award. It's, hey, who's the best defensive player in the NBA? And really, Rudy Gobert is probably a much better defender than Anthony Davis. And the, the, the thanks statistics. For giving, thanks for giving Rudy Gobert. Yeah, and love. the statistics for Giannis. <laughs> I mean, just his post defense is like 5% better than almost anyone. They don't score in the paint on him. He can guard almost any player. The Bucks and, have the best defense. It's, and, I don't even think it's close. But again, you're looking at the team, this. right? So I think for us, it's who has the greatest impact on their team. <laughs> you don't think Giannis has the impact to make them the best? Like no, if no, Giannis what I'm, is if you re- them, yeah. what I'm saying is if you removed AD and Giannis, I think that the Bucks are a better defensive team than the Lakers. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe. They might be. I don't know if that's true. It could be true. 
you know, well, if you remove maybe, LeBron maybe. from the if you remove the LeBron from the Lakers, I don't think they're a very good team. So I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Is, Giannis, your pick? is Giannis your pick? Yeah, and he's everyone's pick. I think it'll be. I think he'll easily win the award. I don't even think Anthony Davis will get second place. I'd be surprised if he's even the second best defensive guy when the voting's done. And I don't think he is. I don't think he guards as many guys like Gobert and um, Giannis does. And I don't think he's asked to do as much defensively as those guys are. So I, I, I just he's not the guy I vote for. But obviously, bringing the Lakers into a top five defense is because of him. So he should get some credit. So I can see why you guys went there. But the fact that you both of you guys picked him, it's embarrassing. We can move on though. That's embarrassing. What's wrong with that? No, he's not even. He's not the guy. So right. we'll, we'll see. We'll see when the voting comes in. We'll see where he's at. Yeah, you're right. If hey, look. I'll retire if, if Anthony Davis wins defense player of the year. So for MVP, I have Giannis. He averaged 29.6 points, 13.7 rebounds, 5.8 assists, one steal, one block. They led the NBA with a 53-12 and 12 record before this whole thing went down. Uh, Giannis was having a historical uh, great season. Their team was just, you know, playing phenomenally on both sides of the ball. To Taylor's point, um, I think seeing Giannis not only impact the team on the defensive side, but also on the offensive side has been has been amazing to see, particularly um, how his game has evolved. Giannis was able to really improve on his three-point shooting. I think that was a big knock on him. So with him being able to improve that, he just stepped up another level of threat. Um, and so he's now, I mean, he's at a level where he's, he's a player who's going to be arguably the best player in the league. Yeah. As, as a Laker fan, I agree that it is Giannis for MVP. And it was tough. I mean, if we – I think a lot of uh, media was trying to create this narr- narrative that it should be LeBron. And I don't ever think you should vote MVP based on narrative. I think you should you to go by record and by stats and overall impact on the team. And, I mean, he did it all for, for Milwaukee. And you have the best record in the league. If you look at all his numbers too, Danny – He's only playing 30 minutes a game because of the fact that they they're a lot they have a lot of blowout games, so he's not even playing that many minutes. So he's really getting all those stats um, in a in a limited number of time that he's on the court. So um, yeah, I and, wanted one of us to pick yeah. LeBron just so Taylor could lose his mind, but you know, you know <laughs> <laughs> but Taylor, the like the uh, argument like, for LeBron <laughs> over Giannis on the MVP is stronger than the defensive argument for AD against Giannis, and yeah, both going to lose out to Giannis. I, I so. disagree. I disagree. Yeah, I know. I can't believe you guys you guys picked AD, but LeBron. No, you, so like, you felt comfortable with that I am, take. Here but, I am defending Giannis against LeBron. Dude, Giannis is having a PR season that's like top five in NBA history. He's like his box plus minus is like top ten all time in NBA history. Um, I think when it comes to data, I, I think that I think this is what you were attributing in, in the previous statement. Like I think that there's no category where LeBron sort of beats them, beats Giannis here. Um, other or, than yeah, or AD beats him on any side. There's the, the statistics really back him up on both sides. But I guess here, here's a little bit of my calculation, though. I, I will say that it's usually an anomaly for them to award the MVP and the Defensive Player of the Year to the same dude. So I actually think with and with Giannis winning the MVP, I think it is a possibility that they might give it to a guy like AD. Yeah, well, I think Gobert has a better chance, but I, I would agree that maybe it hasn't happened. I think since Olajuwon in the mid nineties and I know Jordan did it in the late eighties, but I think it's going to happen again here with Giannis. And I think 
I don't think he'll be unanimous here. I think LeBron will get some votes, but I think, and usually I know Jose said it's about, he doesn't want it to be about narrative. Usually the way that they vote on MVP, it's they choose whatever impacts James Harden so he can't win it. That's what, how the narrative is going to be on the vote. And that's what they did last year in the last five years. And so since Harden's not on that top two or three here, I think uh, it's an easier pick. They don't have to try to defend it. They can just say, oh, yeah, best player, best record. Um, but Giannis deserves it on the defensive side, and he deserves MVP. And I think he'll win both. So we're going to do our all-NBA first team now. Uh, for me, I have AD at center, LeBron and Giannis at the three and four and then Luca and Harden as my guards. Any issue with that? No, it's perfect, Danny. That's what I had. And I think it'll be, I think that's chalk. I don't, there's yeah. just not a lot of guys. I mean, I know there's an argument for Kawhi. I just think the amount of games he plays, and I don't think he had the same impact that those five oh, guys yeah. had. I agree. Um, and so Kawhi will just win like, you know, all-star or not all-star playoffs MVP when the Clippers win it all. That's all he cares about. It seems like, or he'll turn or, or even the all-star, he just turns it up there. Um, but I think those would be the top five guys for sure. I had some debate putting LeBron at my, my guard and um, Kawhi in there for uh, Harden. But as, as I looked at the numbers, Harden had a Harden's numbers are a lot better. Um, just the fact that Harden was was, was on that was that was on that slump and and Kawhi. Yeah. Hey, that's already riled up. Do you want? I know. Yeah. I, I, I just want to calm the beast down. I don't want. I, look, if I, I don't Davis, want the beast to come. Look, let me ask you: if, if Anthony Davis was averaging forty points a game for like a month or two, you guys would not be talking about. Oh, you know, maybe like Kawhi was a little better. He struggled a little bit. He was only scoring like thirty points a game. Give him a break. <laughs> Get out of here with that nonsense. <laughs> Look, not even Luca. Luke and Harden yeah, yeah. both should be there. And yeah, okay, I, think I just thought I, think I thought about NBA. it for a second. All right, Taylor. All right. Jeez, yeah. I, I saw I thought it. Was good. No, that's good. I thought about it too. Right. I, agree. I agree. I think this is it, one of the, just, this is actually one of the easiest years for all NBA first team. I think it's, I think it's pretty clear, in my mind at least. Who knows? But is is he the odd man out? If there was an odd man out, like on on that, if someone wants to choose another person out of those five guys. Or you think he's clear, clear cut? Like, well, I feel like it. I think a lot of. And I think it's like, clear cut for these five. I think. I, I no, but it's Kawhi. No, but I think like, Jose's asking if oh, Kawhi's like the, if he's the first one, like the odd man out. Oh, if, so, is so. Kawhi the first one out? I don't know. I think, would it be, so. I think it'd be Harden or AD. Maybe I'm just thinking like. No, but oh, like Luke, Harden, no, Luca would be the odd man out. Are you showing me? I think the four locks easily are AD, LeBron, okay. Giannis, and Harden. Well, like, yeah, because of the four. Because you can put AD at tenor, right? Yeah, AD's at center now. He can qualify for that. These <laughs> Rockets media always—they're uh, unbearable for the rest of the world. If Harden <laughs> didn't get first team All NBA, could you just imagine? <laughs> well, Pretty the, funny. The question—the question we should ask Taylor is: Is how do you like Harden's new hairstyle? I don't know. I don't know if I love it, but I mean, as long as he's making buckets, who cares? <laughs> so we are transitioning now to the drafting portion of our podcast. And with the bubble coming and the playoffs coming and, and the NBA finals, we decided that we wanted to take a look at NBA players who have not won a title, NBA players who have not won a ring. This is probably the first time in a while where the NBA odds and who could win the title are, are really wide open. So that got us to think, you know, who are the best players that just don't have a ring yet? And some of the criteria that we decided to go with would, would be that these players are retired. 
Um, that means as of today, July 26, these players are no longer in the NBA or have communicated that they are retired. So we are going to be drafting five players each. We are going to do it in our traditional snake order. And for today, we have randomized the order. I'm going to have the first pick. Taylor will have the second. Jose will have the third. We will pick five players each. Again, these are players that have retired and did not win an NBA title. Just came up short and we're not able to get there. So we're going to be drafting our no ring teams here. We are picking our top five no ring team. So with the first pick, I am going to take Sir Charles Barkley. I think if there is an NBA legend who um, maybe has a lot of the no ring talk come his way, um, it's going to be Charles Barkley. Even though he doesn't have a ring, he's one of the most dominant power forwards in league history. He's 18th all-time in rebounds, 21st in steals, 23rd in points. He's only one of four players to record at least 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 1,500 steals throughout his career. He was a guy who, wherever he went, just had an immediate impact on his team, whether it was the 76ers, the Phoenix Suns, the Houston Rockets. He had career averages of 22.1 points per game and 11.7 rebounds. So for him to average a double-double is pretty impressive here. In 1993, Barkley won the MVP award, and he averaged 25 points per game, 12.2 rebounds, and 5.1 assists. When we watched those 1993 finals, you know, the Suns were really close. I know the, the, the series ended in six games, but if the ball would have bounced differently, I think that Barkley could have had a ring. Um, so if it wasn't for Jordan, some bad luck there, uh, you know, I think that we, he wouldn't even be on this list. But he's, you know, in the Hall of Fame. And he is, I think, to me, worthy of being the number one pick here. So with Charles Barkley, he did win that MVP. Um, something I underestimate is, are all his good years in Philadelphia? And maybe just because of my lack of experience watching the NBA at the time, since I was still fairly young. But his, his numbers when he was with the Sixers were really great. He did have a Hall of Fame career. The fact that he averaged 22 and 11, like you said, is really impressive. And um, but I don't know if he, he would be my number one pick here, Danny. But I, I'll I'll reveal mine if he drops to me at the <laughs> pick. So, but yeah, and, and I will say this this draft is so much harder because when it, we're doing team drafts, it's it's much more narrower. You can go literally to a hundred different places here. I think that it, this is going to be way open. Yeah, Danny. I think I think there was no like clear cut pick. I think you got a lot of different directions. I think Barkley is is a good pick though. I think he was one of maybe like one or two other guys. I think, and I, when I think of oh, who are the best, Charles Barkley's name comes first to people's minds a lot. And so he just being so dominant, having some of those years where he felt like he was like the best guy in the NBA, even with Jordan there. I think it's a solid pick. And I think a lot of our picks are going to be, Hey, because of Michael Jordan, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's why they're on the list. I mean, everyone in the nineties is it's all because of Jordan. Um, I also think because yeah. Charles is more public. And when you have, you know, the TNT guys, when you have Kenny and Shaq always say like, man, be quiet. You have no rings. It's like, dude, like <laughs> this doesn't mean this guy can't have an opinion. Like it's always invalidated with the no ring thing. He's so public now, and I feel like if there's anyone associated with that because of that, it might be Charles. But I can see your guys' points. I know that there's no, a lot of other guys. Here. I mean, I understand the pick because as, a, as I was doing the research for it, like power forward is probably the, the one, the position that didn't have the most players. So, like, it's good that you got, a, pair, if you, that you got a, a really good power forward now. 
And I think that's how I'm go- probably going to draft is just more positional need at, at times, you know, what yeah. positions are, are there more of and what, what, what is there lacking? So I might be doing that. So. And that's a great segue because for me, with my second pick, Danny, I'm going with Carl Malone as the point forward. And I think Jose said it pretty well for me. I was actually going to say that there wasn't a lot of dominant power forwards, but it felt like the power forwards are, were probably two of the top, you know, three to four picks with Malone and Barkley. And so I think just statistically and the amount of opportunities that he's had, I, I felt like Carmelone was just was just the pick I wanted to go with here. Obviously, he's a 14-time All-Star, which is pretty impressive to go to 14 All-Stars. He's one of, I think, only one other guy to have two MVPs and not win a title. 11-team All-First NBA. He was an all-defensive guy, retired jersey, Hall of Famer. You know, he had those chances against the Bulls. He had those chances with the Lakers. He had one chance with the Lakers. He couldn't get over the hump. But when you think of him and Stockton and what they did together in Utah, and I'm not a Jazz fan at all. So this gives me no joy picking Carl Malone. I uh, think I just wanted to pick him. So he's my guy. He was a guy that I had for my number one. So if he would have dropped to me, I would have loved to get Carl Malone. I mean, he's number two in all-time in points. Number two minutes played, number six in games played, number one in free throws made, number seven in total rebounds, number 11 in steals, number 15 in blocks, number four in win shares, and all of uh, just in his career. So, I mean, he's just, he's just solid. Uh, two-time MVP, like you said, 11-time first team at All-NBA, 14-time All-Star. So, I mean, his, his resume has it all except the title. Only three players in NBA history have at least 20,000 points, 10,000 rebounds, and 5,000 assists. That's Malone, Kareem, and Kevin Garnett. She's using really good company. You know, I, I think to me, one of the things that I didn't, re- I didn't recognize as a Laker fan is even um, in that 2003-2004 run, Carl uh, Malone was 40 years old. So to think about him being 40 and to still be contributing even in the ways he did and that's pretty impressive. You know, when I think about someone being 40 and still playing in the NBA. So it was good. I mean, he was still in shape. I know he got hurt for part of that season, but there's a lot of people who felt like if he was healthy yeah. and didn't get hurt, yeah. that we had a better shot, which to me is astonishing. And that speaks to his skill level when at 40, you can make that much of a difference on a championship contender. You know, obviously it, we were, we got dominated by the Pistons um, in that 2004 finals. And, you know, I, I would have wished we would have gone one for the mailman. But, I mean, the fact that he was still doing work and putting in stats at 40 was really impressive. And I think that's the thing that we didn't under, that I didn't even, that I didn't understand when I was younger, right? When I'm in high school, when the Lakers get Gary Payne and Carmelo, I'm like, yes, we got four all-stars. But not really <laughs> understanding at that, at that age, like, hey, these guys are older. They're not the same age as Shaq and Kobe. You know, I think that's like, I mean, Taylor, when you get Charles Barkley later on in his career, it's kind of like the same thing. You know, like you get, you get, you get excited, yeah. you get Charles Barkley, you get excited, you get Pippen, but you're not, like, you don't understand at that age that these are, they're not the same players that they were before. So. No, I'll say, Jose, you finally get a wing pick here with the third and fourth pick. I know you hate the second pick being in the middle, so <laughs> I can't wait to see what you do next. So, Jose, who do you have with your first pick, third pick overall? Yeah, so you guys took the two power forwards on the board, so that's kind of tough. So I got to just just kind of revamp my team a bit. But I'm going to take Elgin Baylor. He played for the Lakers throughout his whole career. He averaged 27.4 points per game, 13 and a half rebounds and four assists. I mean, he's an all-time great. I know I haven't necessarily – I haven't seen him play because he played in the 60s. And um, he's a legend. He was one of the NBA's first high-scoring wings um, one of the most prolific scorers in NBA history, peaking at 38 points per game in a season. 
in 1961-62. He played 14 seasons with the Minneapolis and LA Lakers. He appeared in eight finals. And that's one of the things when we were doing this draft, like what do we, how do we draft these players? Like what constitutes a player all, as far as all time great, but also the fact that the fact that he went to eight finals, right? He, he is someone who has been chasing a ring, been wanting a ring and just never got it. And he was a gifted shooter, a strong rebounder. He was a great passer. One of the things he did is like even in, in, in game five of the finals against the Celtics, even though they lost, he grabbed 22 rebounds and set a record for scoring 61 points in a finals game. The, the sad thing about his career is that when he retired the year after, that's when they, the Lakers won the title. In many ways, Elgin Baylor can make an argument for being number one in terms of kind of the saddest story of not having title rings, right? To go zero and eight. But I think even as a Laker fan, I didn't appreciate just how much of a beast um, Elgin Baylor was. He was really, really good, right? Averaging 27.4 points per game and 13.5 rebounds over a 14-year career. 10 All-NBA um, teams, 11 All-Star appearances. You know, and I think the thing that sucked is that his career, even though it was 14 years, um, it was cut short uh, because of knee troubles. And Jose, it's actually, this is what makes it sadder. It, it wasn't actually the next season. He retired a few games into the 71-72 oh, wow. season. Oh, yeah. The very next game, the, the game after he retired, the Lakers go on their 33-game historic win streak, and then they win the title that year. But he just wasn't a part of that rest of the technically, season. Technically, he, won a, he was part yeah, of the so team. So technically, though, right? he was a part of it. No, no, for real. So the so, Lakers so gave him – he shouldn't him, be on this list. <laughs> no, the Lakers gave him a ring, but he wasn't active for that season because he retired. Um, so he kept it, and he eventually actually – he actually uh, auctioned it off for like $132,000 in 2013. So he didn't really want it because he wasn't really a part of it. But <laughs> that's just terrible. Like, when I hear that story, it's like, really? Like, uh, yeah, so I think his, his story's sad, but, you know, he had a tremendous career. And I think he's, he's, he's number one on a lot of these lists. And so I think Elgin Baylor's a good pick here. Yeah, eight, eight times losing in the finals has got to hurt a little bit. You know, Bill Russell was like the Jordan of, you know, maybe the era we're watching. So he didn't get a chance to win any. And averaging like 30 and 20 uh, <laughs> is pretty awesome. So he's yeah. definitely, he might be the best player. Like, yeah, easily first pick. So um, he's got like somewhat similar stats in some ways or some of his accolades compare up with Barkley and Malone. And, you know, some individuals probably think he's a better all-time player. So it's a good choice here. Jose, who do you have with your second pick to join Elgin Baylor? This one, I think, is a little bit of a reach, but I'm just going off positional need. And I'm going to draft a center. And I'm drafting uh, Patrick Ewing. He played for the Knicks from 1985 to 2000 and also played for brief stints in Seattle and Orlando where he was, uh, he was hurt for, for most, most of those games. He averaged 21 points per game, 9.8 rebounds, 2.4 blocks. He's an 11-time All-Star. He made second-team All-Defense three times. He's a second-team All-NBA six times, and he made first-team All-NBA one time. I mean, he's the greatest Nick of all time. I know we talked about the Knicks earlier with the franchise, and it seems like they haven't really been the Knicks since then, since Patrick Ewing's days. He led that franchise in career points, rebounds, and blocks, and he made the Knicks title contenders despite never truly having a second superstar to play alongside him in his prime. You said, Taylor, that yeah, he had to go against Jordan, and that was a tough part. And let me just read you guys this. Look at look, when we're talking about Elgin Baylor making the finals eight seasons and never winning. Look at the missed opportunities for Patrick Ewing. 
in the 92 playoffs, they lost game seven to the Bulls. Ewing had a, a bad sprained ankle in that, in that um, series. 93, lost to the Bulls in conference finals after they were up 2-0, and they lost in six. 94, they went to the finals against the Rockets and Elijah Ron, and they were up 3-2, and they lost game six and game seven in the last seconds. 95, game seven against the Pacers in the semifinals, he missed a game-tying finger roll on the last minute of the game, and they lost. 96, they lost in the semis to Jordan. That's the year Jordan had, Jordan's team had 72 wins, so no one was beating them. 97, they were up 3-1 against Miami in the Eastern semifinals, and there was that game five brawl. And then um, Patrick Ewing, Allen Houston, John Starks, and Larry Johnson were suspended because they left the bench, right? That stupid rule where you have to leave the bench. 98, he got injured. 99, they lost to the Spurs in the finals. So just kind of just those missed opportunities for him. So uh, I wanted him high on my board just because he really is one of those players that really – I think if he if, – if one of those times that I mentioned he won a ring, his, his um, reputation would just have changed tremendously as far as like being an all-time – a bigger all-time great. Yeah, there's a lot of guys where if they win a ring, I think the reputation changes. Yeah, I think it's a solid pick. Obviously, I think we talked about earlier. It seems like the guards are a little bit stronger in this draft than the forwards or the bigs, maybe with the centers. He obviously has the statistical, you know, dominance. He was in Space Jam. You know, he was a dream team guy. Obviously, he had all those chances. I think it's a good pick. I don't think it's a reach at all. I think it was someone that I would have thought about at five. And so I think you, you know, you're filling out your team nicely here. Yeah. 11 time all-star seven, all NBA nods, two Olympic gold medals, 86 rookie of the year. Right. And Jose mentioned just how highly ranked he is not only in the Knicks franchise, but even all time in the NBA. Yeah. It's tough to, to face Jordan in the Eastern conference. And then once Jordan leaves, you make it to the finals in 94, you know, Olajuwon beats you. And then, you know, you get you get there in 1999. What do you run into? Like Tim Duncan um, and, you know, David Robinson. David Robinson. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, man, that's 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 rough. So, yeah, I think uh, Ewing is, you know, maybe if you picked uh, two guys who have maybe the hardest kind of stories here, I would agree with uh, <laughs> your team so far, Elgin Baylor and Patrick Ewing. So I think I, think I, I like the picks. Taylor, who do you have with your second pick? All right, I don't know if I'm getting crazy here yet. So I'm going with the Iceman, going with George Gervin here. I wanted a score. Obviously, all these guys are scorers. I mean, Malone, I guess, the second time all <laughs> league score ever. But, you know, just four-time scoring champ, nine-time all-star, five-time first all-NBA guy. And I just thought, hey, you know, we did the Spurs podcast. We talked about how great, you know, the Iceman was. And I was like, yeah, like, I want I want him on my team for something. So, you know, I wanted to choose him. There's a few other guys I might have taken ahead of him, but I wanted to get a good, you know, guard forward type individual to fill in my roster here from a positional. And I just, I just really like him. He sort of reminds me of Harden now and what he was. So I wanted to get him on my squad. And so I'm going with the Iceman with the fifth pick. I picked him, I believe, in our, in our Spurs drafting the franchise series. And, and I really, I really like him. Um, he's often one of the most underappreciated scorers in NBA history. And, you know, he was, he was phenomenal. He, he led the NBA in scoring four times, was a 12-time All-Star. Even um, in his last season uh, where he retired, he was averaging 26.2 points per game. To the point of him retiring, he was still really good. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame. And the closest he ever got, he never actually made it to the finals. We talked about this in the Spurs podcast also, but 
he played the uh, Washington Bullets in the 1997, sorry, 1997, in the 1979 um, Eastern Conference Finals. And he dropped 42 points in game seven, but they still lost. So that's that's got to be a tough way to, to lose a series, dropping 42 and still not making it to the finals. So I, I like this pick, Taylor. Yeah, Taylor, I I mean, I agree with the pick. I mean, he's a great scorer. I, I think I wanted you to pick John Stockton just so you could have that <laughs> Car, Car Malone Stockton well, uh, pairing. But I think what I was just saying is like, you still have that chance. It, it, it can yeah. come up, but I, don't, yes. but I don't know if your hatred for Utah Jazz will allow you to do that. But I, I'm hoping that if it's still there, it might happen. I, ha- I have three guards, like point guard types, that I wanted yeah. to take actually next. But I didn't have as many like small forward yeah, forward types it. and so yeah. i sort of wanted to go with gervin here but i i'd love to get stockton i hope danny thinks he's not very good and he wants to pass him and if i can get stockton and malone together that's my dream so danny you can let me know if i can reach my dream or if you're going to burst my bubble here taylor there's nothing i love more than to shatter your dreams <laughs> <laughs> so in my second pick i am taking john stockton he's just an elite defender one of the best passers in nba history uh, the fact that he's still on the board this long, probably too long. So I, I have to take take him here. He's one of the, you know just the ultimate floor general, uh, the pick and roll duo that um, they had there with the Jazz in the '80s and '90s with him and Karl Malone was fantastic. They went to two consecutive Finals appearance, but again they they face uh, Jordan. He still ranks first all time in both career assists and steals. There's no one even close to overthrowing him in either of these categories. In his 19-year career, uh, John Stockton was was fantastic. He was just a point guard who knew where to be, where to go. He ranks fifth all-time in total win shares, only behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Wilt Chamberlain, Malone, and Jordan. And he's 31st all-time in career PER. Stockton also earned 11 appearances on all NBA teams, 10 All-Stars, and five spots on the NBA All-Defensive team. So, I, yeah, I think uh, John Stockton is, is a really good choice here. Again, if it wasn't for Jordan, he might not be on this list, but um, I'm glad to pick him here with my second pick. Yeah, I love the pick, Danny. The master of the pick and roll, him and him and Carmelo, now him and Charles Barkley going to run that pick and roll. And I think what's so underrated about John Stockton is he was so consistent. He missed only 22 games in his 19-season career. And in, in his first 13 seasons, he missed four games. So that's crazy. Like, he... That's just so different than what we see now in the NBA where like players are taking missing games for rest or other types of like injuries. And just the fact that he's so consistent in playing. And I think what's what makes Stockton stand out um, in front of these other guards on our list that are going to come up is his ability to play both offense and defense. Right. He was a great offensive floor general, but he was a great defender as well. And he was considered by some to be dirty. Right. He was I think he was voted. Uh, second as far as dirtiest player the first one was Dennis Rodman in one of the polls that I saw um, during that time he was a great defender right like you said Danny he's number one in steals um, number one in assists so I like to pick Danny yeah I mean he's just synonymous with Carl Malone and just the, the two chances they had and you know obviously I don't know if anyone will ever beat his assist record or steals records so you're getting a statistical guy a great player a guy who knows how to play the game. So maybe the best point guard here. So it's a good pick. So I know there's two guys that I have ranked above this guy. Uh, but I think 
you know, to Jose's earlier point, I think a lot of this is building more of a team, a more comprehensive team um, and thinking through things positionally. I know that there's guys on the board that might go ahead of him, but I, I feel like I want to take him here just because of who he might mean to my team. So my pick here is going to be Reggie Miller. He's one of the league's best pure shooters. Uh, I know his three-point field goal record was broken by Ray Allen, but he had that for a long time. The Indiana former Indiana Pacer shooting guard is 14th on the NBA's all-time leaderboard for points scored, 39 steals, 91 assists. He's only one of five players in NBA history to get 25,000 points, 4,000 rebounds, 4,000 assists, and 1,500 steals. Uh, the only people there with him is Carl Malone, Michael Jordan, Kevin Garnett, and Kobe. It's part of a great list there. Despite playing for almost two decades, he only made the NBA Finals once, and they lost to the Kobe Shaq Lakers. Um, that's not to mention, you know, some of the epic playoff wars that they had with the Knicks and with the Chicago Bulls. You know, a lot of a lot of those instances, the the, the Pacers were really really close. Uh, he lost three Eastern Conference Finals game sevens to three different teams throughout his career. So that's just, I mean, to, to go that far in the Eastern Conference, to be so close to the NBA Finals on three different occasions against three different teams is really rough. And then to finally make it and then run into, you know, Kobe and Shaq. And, and I think in particular, I know in that finals, in game one of that NBA Finals in 2000, you know, he went one for 16 in shooting, which is really hard to swallow. Um, so I know I've heard him, you know, have regrets about that and how, you know, the Pacers really felt uneasy about that finals and feel like they could have done better. Reggie Miller is just someone who led his team, you know, to the Eastern Conference finals on a number of occasions to the finals and was so close, but just never got there. So I'm taking Reggie Miller for my third pick. Yeah, yeah, great pick. I mean, he's the greatest shooter of his era. He had to go get hold, go up against Jordan, but never, never back down from Michael Jordan, you know, and he, and I think if he was playing today, he'd be, he'd have much bigger numbers than what he has in his career. But Reggie Miller is a great shooter and playing alongside John Stockton and Charles Barkley, that'd be great for your team. Just, just thinking about that, would be really cool. I think, I mean, did they play in the dream team together by chance you guys know? So maybe, maybe they have some type of team chemistry there and, Besides I don't. Stockton. I don't know if Stockton played on the second dream team because I know Who's Reggie was. So, but I know Reggie didn't go on the first. So Reggie okay. was on the second, and Barkley was on the second. But I don't know if Stockton maybe, was on the second. Yeah, so. maybe you're right. Maybe you're right, Taylor. No, I am right. I don't even have to look it up. I'm positive. <laughs> Partly okay. because when we drafted the Pacers, Reggie yeah, was my guy. Reggie was on the first dream team. Okay. Yeah. So, so I guess they have to learn that team chemistry. But you know, if you have Reggie Miller and Charles Barkley on your team. You probably have the best commentators out of all of our teams so far. <laughs> yeah, you're drafting the all TNT team here. Danny. They were they were together on the second dream team. Yeah, all three or just two? No, yeah, yeah. Stockton. We yeah, know all three of us. Yeah, all three of them were on the second dream team. So wow, so that's good. So so that's good. So you got you're Taylor doesn't team. know. Taylor yeah, doesn't. No, I did. I said I said look it up. I said I don't know if Stockton was on dream no, team. No, you say you don't that's know. Right. Look it no, up right roll the <laughs> tape, tape right up. We have the Whoa, tape. Said, oh, I no. do know. No, I said I know that he, that Reggie Miller wasn't on Dream Team One. That's what yeah, I said. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, positive yeah. he was on Dream Team One. I know he's on Dream Team. On Dream Team Two, all three of them are. See, yeah. And I said, look it up. Roll the tape back, Danny. Play it again. <laughs> so you want to do it again? <laughs> no, Say no, your no, comment saying, again, Jose. No, roll the tape no, back. What, yeah. I wasn't saying that Reggie Miller was on Dream Team One. I was saying, have they ever played together? Yeah, right. and I was telling you, like, you have to look up whether Stockton was on Dream Team right. Two. 
And then we right. had the conversation. I said he wasn't on Dream Team 1. Dennis, Dennis said, no, oh, I don't know if yeah. they did. And you're like, oh, I do know. I'm like, all right. All three of them, all three of my guys were on the 1996 Dream Team 2. So, all right, you got good team chemistry, Danny. Yeah, so all of them, all of them Dream Team players. Good. All right. That's a good all team. Right, Taylor. Good team. Although we all got good teams, I feel like. So, <laughs> Taylor, um, who is your third pick? So far, you have Carl Malone and the Iceman, George Gervin. Yeah, so I'm going with the heart and soul of our team. And just one of my favorite players ever. I'm going with Allen Iverson with my next pick here to, to be one of my guards. Allen Iverson, obviously, just what he's known for is just someone who's just going to put it all out there, right? And how he carried that team, that Sixers team, which wasn't really a great Eastern Conference at that time, but he just carried them. And obviously they ran into the Lakers, but that, that game one performance just sticks out in my mind. I'm getting an MVP, an all-NBA guy, an all-star and just one of my all-time favorite players. And I just feel like I, I wanted to pick him here. I know there's maybe one or two other guards I could have gone here, but if I didn't pick Stockton in the second round, I wanted to go with someone that I personally love, and I think a lot of people love him too, and that's Iverson. Yeah, so, I mean, Alan Iverson, you think about his iconic moments, right? You think about him, like you said, Taylor, in the finals, just stepping over Tyron Lue. You think about him crossing over Michael Jordan. when um, I think when he was a, a rookie but just the numbers just stand out, like 26.7 points per game, 3.7 rebounds, 11-time All-Star, three-time first-team All-NBA, three-time second-team All-NBA. And, um, and just being labeled, it just he's, he's the toughness of Allen Iverson. Like you said, he's the heart and soul of your team. He's labeled the best pound-for-pound player in NBA history. So he's an icon. I remember watching him when I was young, when he was in Georgetown, and I was just – I loved his game. And I knew he was going to be the number one pick in that draft. and that loaded draft. Yeah. Great pick Taylor. I just don't know necessarily. I mean, your team is full of hall of famers. Some, a lot of, <laughs> all, a lot of, all, all of our teams, of our teams yeah, are, yeah. but a lot, a lot of really good scores, uh, playmaking may be an issue right now. So that's about it. AI could be really polarizing. I think people still feel all sorts of way about him, you know, but you can arguably say he was the best player when he was in his prime. Um, I think that's another thing. His prime wasn't really that long. And so I think that that is, is a knock against him. And, but, you know, I, I want to give him credit, not only for winning that 2001 league MVP, but <laughs> dragging uh, that 76ers team to the finals that probably had no business being in the finals. You know, they eventually ran into Shaq and Kobe and the supporting cast that the Lakers had, which was no match for them. So I, I give him props not only for dragging that team there, but actually getting one game from us. Um, I think that that was just really, really impressive. Um, so I think he's he's definitely one of the best players that, that doesn't have a ring. And so, yeah, like I said, people feel differently, but he was a four-time scoring champ, seven-time All-NBA selection, and a league MVP. So I can understand the pick here for AI. And you need playmaking, so I think AI, AI gets that for you. Danny, you need to give him props for also our fantasy basketball uh, league yeah. man, you know we're talking our, about our practice. fantasy league is named after his <laughs> rant uh, about practice so yeah props to him for that jose who do you have with your third pick you have elgin baylor and patrick ewing so far i'm so glad that steve nash fell to me um i can keep i love steve nash for his years in dallas his years in phoenix on the phoenix suns I don't want to mention really his years on the Lakers, but, you know, he was there too. But he averaged 14.3 points per game, eight and a half assists, and just a great passer, known for the pick and roll as well, like John Stockton, right? The seven seconds or less offense with Mike D'Antoni, 
also the fact that he's a great shooter too. Like people think about him for his assists, but he was a great shooter from, from three averaging 42.8% from his career. And we talked about 50, 40, 90 before, and he's one of the players who's been on the 50, 40, 90 club. And he's actually done that four times with my team, with Elgin Baylor and Patrick Ewing, um, these guys who have made it to the finals several times. Um, Steve Nash has never made it to the finals, but what if? He's a, he's a guy with a lot of what-if moments, right? His son's team made it to Western Conference Finals several times and had bad breaks. Remember, Robert Ory hip-checked him in one of the games and led to the suspension of Amari Stoudemire. You look back at the 2010 Finals when they gave the Lakers a run, and uh, 2010 um, – Western Conference Finals, and they gave the Lakers a run, and you had that Jason Richardson three, and then followed up with that Ron Artest put back on, put back that won the game for the Lakers. So he's, he was very close to winning it, winning those Western Conference Finals and making it to the finals. So with my team, with Elgin Baylor and Patrick Ewing, he's going to be running some high pick and rolls with them, and just get, it's going to be winning that offense for me. Yeah, he's probably the best point guard left, I think. And you know, just like Malone, he's a two-time MB, MVP, which they're the only two-time enemies <laughs> not to win at all. Similar to Iverson, you know, obviously I think Danny with that window of just dominance, maybe not as large as some of the other guys like Stockton, Malone, Barkley, Baylor and whatnot. But yeah, I love it. I'd be ecstatic too. If I didn't draft a guard and I get him with pick nine here, that's yeah. fantastic value when he could have been top five and not really bad at an eye. I also think, you know, with him and that Phoenix Suns era of just how they, they really brought in this new style of basketball, you know, the second seven seconds or less offense and how they orchestrated that. So I think so much of how the NBA is played now is attributed to who Nash was. I think, I think to me, it's, it's amazing to think that he, that he never actually made it to an NBA finals, given the good teams he was a part of and how good that he was, I think. Um, they, they were often so close. And, and even when he, when we, the Lakers got him, similarly to how we felt with Carmelo and Gary Payton, I remember when the Lakers got him and Dwight, there was an excitement. People pretty much were like, it's over. Lakers got it. It's done. <laughs> yeah. And um, that, <laughs> that turned out to be the, the worst season ever. <laughs> but, I, I but, think Kobe was saying that on the dream team too. I think like, he was saying, <laughs> it's over guys. He's like, I got Dwight Howard now. Yeah. I got Steve Dash. Yeah, it was, it was, it ended so badly, but yeah, they were so close, you know, that, that, that those years where they, where they lost to San Antonio um, where they lost to the Lakers, right? I think if they would have made it to the finals, they probably would have won, uh, to be quite honest. I, I think that we talked about this. He's a two-time league MVP, and he's only one of four players in league history to have 15,000 points, 10,000 assists, and 800 steals. So I think his resume speaks for himself, um, and I think he's he's definitely one of the uh, stories where um, it's surprising that he was not able to make it to the finals. So, Jose, who do you have with your next pick? With Taylor picking a favorite player earlier, I figured that now's the time for me to do that. And I think we're only doing, yeah, we mentioned earlier, we're only doing five picks. So I'm trying to draft a little differently now. I'm drafting Tracy McGrady. He played for the Raptors. He played for the Magic, Rockets, Knicks, Pistons, Atlanta Hawks, and Spurs too. So he averaged 19.6 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, four assists, and a steal. Um, he's a Hall of Famer, and he's – Great score. You look. You think about those years with Orlando and Houston. He was leading the league in scoring at some of those points, and just what he brought to the table: six nine, could shoot threes, could put it, could put it down and drive and dunk on you. And I'm just trying to redeem myself for drafting Lou Williams over him 
in our Toronto Raptors pod before. So I want to draft him here. And I think he could either play the three for me or I might push him a little higher to the four if um, there aren't any other guys I can get. But Tracy McGrady here playing with Steve Nash and Ewing and Baylor. I like I liked my team so far. Yeah, I think it's always a shame with T-Mac of the question of what could have been with his career. I mean, in his last two seasons in Orlando, he was averaging 30.2 points per game, 5.5 assists, 6.3 rebounds, and then was just plagued by injuries. That That's really hard. But I think, you know, other you, – you pretty much said all I would say, Jose, but I think the only other thing that really uh, makes me sad is that 2013 with the Spurs, yeah, <laughs> that Ray Allen shot, uh, how dare he? He just kept T-Mac from winning a title, getting a ring. So yeah, I think to to know that T Mac was that close on that Spurs team, and to have the ring kind of elude you, um, I think that's really really rough. So yeah, I think if you're gonna make a your team the most heartbreaking <laughs> non ring players, I think uh, Tracy McGrady actually fits really nicely into your team. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, I think I think you're not really building a lot of like <laughs> positionally, Jose. I don't know if you're. You're really, and we'll see what we do, what you do with your last pick. But T Mac, he's just, he's an all timer. It was him and Kobe for a while. Who's, you know, who's the best? Although we sort of know who the best was. And, <laughs> you know, he had those great shoes, those great scoring titles. He had that famous quote, like, hey, it feels so good to get out of the first round. And then they lost, like, the next <laughs> games. So he probably shouldn't have done that. So, yeah. you know, he didn't really have any success in the playoffs at all, which would probably be the only knock on him here. But in terms of talent and scoring, he's definitely – and, like, just – like, did I like him? Yeah, so it's hard for me to to hate on the pick here. Yeah, I mean, you think about T-Mac, too. You think about those moments as well. Like, for me, watching him, um, you think about – I think his dunk on Sean Bradley. I don't know if you guys remember that dunk. And then the – thir- was it the 13 points in – was it – how many seconds was it against the Spurs? Yeah, 34 and- seconds. 13 points in 34 seconds. He was playing with uh, Houston at the time, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was saying, yeah he was. Yeah, and I <laughs> yeah. think everyone remembers it. I tell you, I do remember the dra- the dunk on Bradley. So, yeah, so I'm just trying to remember these things. So, like, hey, that, that probably was a good moment for you, right, Taylor, as a Rockets fan at the time? So Yeah, but they lost, like, the next four out of five games. So that was not a great series against the Mavs <laughs> overall. And that game seven was just an absolute blowout, if I remember. Uh, I'm so. sorry. <laughs> Yeah, no, T-Mac has no, the only knock is he has, he has, absolutely has no playoff moments at all, <laughs> except for the dunk, maybe. Um, he had some good games, but, you know, he was hurt on a few of those, and the injuries obviously derailed what could have been. Okay, so Taylor, you have Carl Malone, George the Iceman Gervin, and AI. Who is your fourth pick? So I'm just I'm going off the rails, guys. I'm just I'm th- I'm mailing it in here. So I'm going. I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for your Yao Ming pick. Oh, well, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to let you get him. I have a different center in mind. I have a, a I have a different rocket center in mind. Um, but I'm going to go with Penny Hardaway here with oh, my next pick. Man. Go with Penny. Um, next guy. So look at Jose's face. He's like. <laughs> I just love, first of all, I love Penny. No, I, I, no, I love Penny. I was a big Magic fan growing up. Did you up. forget he was on this list? I mean, I didn't have him on my board. Just on just, just <laughs> I'm just thinking longevity, too. And just the yeah, fact no. that, like, yeah. No, I agree. I think from a longevity but, but standpoint. But as far as, like, talent-wise, like, what he could have been, like, oh, yeah, for sure. 
Penny would be amazing if he yeah, was him and T Mac are on the same conversation. Sorry, Taylor, go ahead. No, you're right. I and mean, I think he has a lot of similarities to T Mac, besides the fact that they both play in Orlando. But I just feel like he was just so good, like in that like what four or five year stretch yeah. before you know, before the injuries. Him and Shaq, what they did in Orlando were probably the only you know, two great Orlando years, right? Going to the finals and then losing to Jordan there. Look, he's just obviously from a scoring. When Shaq got hurt, I think in that 94 or 95, 96 season, I can't remember, but either in the 94, 95 or 95, 96, he just took over and he was just so dominant. And yeah, I just, I'm not like, I'm not just like, he made it to the finals. They got swept. I'm happy they got swept. You know, if Nick Anderson doesn't miss some of those free throws, you never know if the series changes, if they grab game one. Well, obviously the series changes, but you don't know if it's enough for them to win. And I just feel like from a talent standpoint and from a likability standpoint, and I get little penny off the bench. Um, I think it's a good pick here. Not a good pick. It's just a, a pick that I wanted to go with here. Yeah, I think one of the things that's, that's often understated about him is how he was an amazing defender. He averaged nearly three steals a game. Uh, but just for him to be – he was almost like a huge guard, like a 6'8 guard oh, yeah. who can also be like a small magic, forward. Magic X. Yeah. yeah, and so he just what he was, he would be like a perfect you know player in today's era. Um, and then him him and Shaq obviously making it to, to the finals um, and, not, and being the only team that beat Michael Jordan – um, in the playoffs, technically, um, in that season. And then, um, unfortunately, you know, getting beat by uh, the Rockets that year. But, yeah, they, they were close. And so I, I, I could definitely understand the pick here. And I was likely going to take him if you didn't, Taylor. So I, I like <laughs> Really? I, you know, he's yeah, kind of on, on the fringe on my board. But I, I, I sort of want him to grade a little bit from his Rocket season. And I was looking at some of the guards. I mean – well, we can go into it later, Danny. I don't want to like steal your thunder here, but, but, but I do. No, but I, I liked him. Yeah. After the third round, it goes from like a Hall of Fame type caliber, and it kind of drops down here. So we have a little bit of a sure. Most yeah, of these I guys mean, could probably be Hall of Famer, but yeah. there's there's a little bit of a drop. He wasn't necessarily on my board. Um, I think there was other guys who had just the longevity of their careers, and but if we're talking about how great he was when he actually played, I mean, he was great. Just. Even the if you watch his highlights, he does things when he passes. You're like, I don't even see that today. Like, and you're saying, Danny, that he'd be great in in this era. He'd be great in any era. He was great in his era, and just really bummed about the injuries. He was one of my favorite players growing up because I grew up like my first when my exposure to basketball was the Orlando Magic. So I was cheering for the Magic when they went against, went up against Houston and got swept. So I was pretty bummed as a I think I was a five or six year old then. So, but. Yep, Penny Penny was great, so I understand the pick. With my next pick, I have Charles Barkley, Stockton, and Reggie Miller. Man, this is getting a little tough. We need a center, Danny. Yeah, I just don't know if I want to go. That you too, way. Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I have. A, I need a center and you need a center, so I, I'm, I'm curious what center you're going to pick. And you have to pick one. But I'm thinking about Charles Barkley playing my center. No, you can't. You have, Danny. You have to pick a center. Well, actually, you don't have to pick a center. But yeah, two picks I back think, to back. I I think you should pick a center. You the the, the centers are, are pretty. The centers on my board left are are not that great. There's one name that I think is is a good pick, but I don't know if you you do it. I don't know if Taylor has him on his board you, too. So. You don't think I can run Charles Barkley the center? 
He's like 6'5", he's like six well, he's small ball I mean, rockets here. I mean, you, you, can, you can run it right now because the only one you have to be worried about right. is, is uh, Patrick Ewing right now. So. I like how center over here. Everyone, Taylor, everyone Taylor who, who thinks Westbrook is a center is over here critiquing me on centers. Yeah, uh, and Barkley are the same size. All right, so I'm first going to – okay, yeah, I'll, I'll take my center here. I'm going to go with Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo does not stick out in uh, terms of, of stats on the offensive side of the ball, but he's the second most blocks in league history with 3,289. Uh, he's a four-time defensive player of the year throughout his career. He had a strong reputation as one of the greatest defenders of all time. Again, he only averaged uh, a scoring average of 9.8 points, but you know his value was, was not that. His value was on the defensive side of the ball. He helped the first number eight seed uh, beat the number one seed, and that was when the Nuggets beat the Seattle Supersonics. In that five-game five series, he averaged 31 blocks, which is ridiculous to think about. Unlike some of the players on this list, uh, Matumbo actually appeared in the NBA Finals twice, uh, but he couldn't capitalize on either time. He lost to Kobe and Shaq and then to Tim Duncan and the Spurs. So he had an 18-year career where, where he was arguably the best defensive big man um, in, in the NBA, but he was never able to, to make it through. Uh, but again, the fact that he was an eight-time All-Star, four-time defensive player, made two finals, and lost to a really talented team like the Lakers and the Spurs, I think is worthy of him getting a spot on one of these rosters. So I'm going to go with Dikembe Mutombo as my center. Yeah, Danny, Danny, when he's struggling through like maybe the best defensive player, (laughs) like the draft here, his defensive statistics are not even close to matched almost by anyone else that we've picked, just with the defensive players of the years, the blocks, the all defensive teams. And he's he's an iconic NBA, you know, player of all time. I mean, he's, he's someone that I was going to pick with my next pick. So now I have to reshuffle and think what I'm going to do with my last pick. And so... Yeah, he's an all-timer. He's played for so many teams, too. So likable. He's such an ambassador for the game. You, I think you should have been more enthusiastic with your pick here, Danny. I love it. Yeah, I think it was more because I'm thinking about this next pick. Jose, do you have any <laughs> <this> <laughs> <one>? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danny, I think on the board, he was the best center I had left. And um, what what shines out to me is, like you said, is the four, four defensive player of the year awards. You know, like this guy was a great defender. And He's just going to be blocking shots and just wagging his finger all around. So, um, I mean, I, I get it that offensively he, his numbers aren't great, but he's going to just shore up that, the front line of that defense for you. And him and Barkley is going to be good together. So, I like it. Yeah, he could block everyone who drives right past Barkley. So, <laughs> he could just be at the rim there. And also that moment where he's, like, squeezing the ball when, you know, the eight seed. The nuggets, the, yeah. yeah, when they beat the, the Sonics. Come on, Danny. You should be more excited about him. Your next pick, there's no way your next pick's going to be even close to as with the caliber here. But I look no, forward to And it's not even about caliber. I think, I think he was the You're just excited. I, I just think my mind is thinking about sure. this is where it gets tricky because there's a few guys here, but I don't know. A big question is how do they fit in with my team, right? Because I don't want – Charles Barkley's my first pick. I don't want to uh, clog him, clog the lane too much with another guy. But so I think this is tough. But I think, man, 
Dan, just think about like the best player at each position. Don't don't overthink it to like see how they're all gonna play together. <laughs> you know? hey, that's part yeah, of it. Well, my team to make yeah. sense is part of it. We need Jose to pick. Jose's gonna have to pick a power forward here. If he doesn't, I think we he hasn't picked a power forward yet. We and should make him pick one. I think there is a good power forward left. Um, I don't know if Jose has it, but um, I I think I'm gonna have to go with Vince Carter. Vince Carter's playoff history is not too much. <laughs> it's not too impressive. Uh, but there's just no denying his impact on the NBA. Um, we talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts, but him retiring this year from the 1990s, to the two thousands, uh, you know, Vince Carter has just served as a bridge from the old NBA to the new NBA Carter, you know, won the 1999 rookie of the year. So immediately when he entered the league, he made a splash. His numbers are, are really good in terms of statistical uh, categories He's been able to make an impact on a number of teams that he's been a part of, even as a veteran. But he's been really unlucky in terms of NBA final appearances. He was traded to the New Jersey Nets roughly for a season and a half after they made it to back-to-back finals. And then he joined the Magic in 2009 and the Mavericks in 2011 as both teams were coming off finals appearance of their own. So he found his way to teams that were contending but just never actually made uh, the finals, you know, and later on in his career, he just kind of, again, became that veteran team to maybe some teams that were not as good. But I think he's he's also another guy who had just a tremendous amount of talent, you know, of insanity. You think about that done contest. Uh, but unfortunately, he just never made it to uh, the point of being able to carry a team until finals or to be a part of a contender. So I'm going to go Vince Carter here with my fifth and final pick. In 20, 22 seasons, he's... He pretty much had two careers. Like he he transitioned so well from just being a star, and then just later on in his career being a great role player. What he means to the game is so much more than just his like stats. You know, just probably the best dunker ever, and what he what he did to building up a franchise. Even 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 the fact in making basketball in Canada relevant when it started. So um, I think that's really really good. Vince Carter. Great pick. I don't know how to fit with your team, but I mean, Taylor doesn't really prioritize that. What are you talking about? <laughs> but um, I guess he's your small forward in your team. So, um, but yeah, uh, I like the pick. Jose's just trying to gear up for his last pick when he doesn't pick a power forward and tries to explain, <laughs> oh, well, the fit and stuff. Um, look, Danny, he's obviously one of our favorite players. He is so fun to watch. He obviously played a long time. Never really had a lot of success, like from a, making it, he never made a finals, right? I don't think he ever made it to one, but he got close. I know he got close when he went up against Iverson, I think in the the conference semifinals, I believe. And I know that he had some moments. I mean, we talked about that clutch shot he hit for the Mavs. So I like the pick. I'm not, and uh, I think I'm going with someone who hasn't had a lot of success in the playoffs next too. So (laughs) thank you for, you know, setting the bar there. He's sort of like a T-Mac pick. You know, I, I like it. He's definitely talented. It's unfortunate he never got a chance to win one. So, Taylor, your team uh, so far is Carl Malone, Georgie Iceman Gerben, Allen Iverson, and Penny. Who is your last and final pick here? Yeah, so I think – I can't believe I might be getting the best player here with my last pick. But I'm going relax. With, yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm going with one of my all-time favorites. I'm going with Yao Ming as my center. And there it is. I, I, it. Know, <laughs> I know it can be somewhat controversial, but man, if that he didn't have those foot injuries, I think the Rockets definitely would have won a title. 
And so his, you know, I feel like I'm going with the, some of my team is, you know, career got cut short with injury. Penny and Yao are, you know, with my last two picks, but, you know, eight time all-star, everything to do with talent had nothing to do with the fact that individuals all over the world were voting for him. I want to make sure that we make that clear. It was his talent and not where he, (laughs) where he came from, but I'm getting an ambassador for the game. Really the first, you know, just what he, all the, expectations he brought over when he got drafted by the Rockets first and to just do with so much grace and humility and, you know, hit some big shots there and really having some good series playoffs, including that game one victory against the Lakers when obviously he got hurt in that game three, but yeah, I just love him. So if I'm going with the center and I think, you know, I want to draft positionally, he was my favorite one left. So that's why I picked him. That's fair. Um, And the reason I say that is because him coming from the Chinese basketball association, the CBA, when he was there, he led the league in blocks three times. He led the league in rebounds three times. He won the CBA MVP and won the CBA championship in 2002. So he's a winner. MVP, you know, he delivered on both sides of the ball. He's a winner. And, and even when he came to the NBA, he immediately had an impact. He always averaged about 20 points per game for six seasons from 2003 to 2009. Um, and in those years, he was an NBA all-star all of those years. He made, he was on the all NBA second team twice and the all NBA team third team, three times every year where his health was good. He was impressive. Um, and then in 2009, he had his foot injury. Um, and, and it sucks because he really tried to make, to make his way from that and to heal, but he couldn't do that. So yeah, I think it's another kind of what if guy that was plagued with injuries and if he would have been healthy and they would have had him, you know, with the other players that they try to put around him in Houston, I think, that he definitely could have contended for a title, but it's unfortunate that he didn't. Yeah, I don't like the pick. Um, I think there are better centers on the board, Bob Lanier and Artis Gilmore. And I didn't, I don't really have much to say because I don't even have Yao Ming on my board. And I think that goes off with maybe the same thing with the, the Penny Hardaway pick, which is just the, just the amount of seasons he played where it was kind of cut short. But I mean, when he, when he was playing, he had a 7-5 center. And he was pretty. He was pretty dominant. He had lots of uh, great games, even against Shaq. But I don't know if I like it. Yeah, and take that, I'm just, I, I, your pick I'm sucks, just, Taylor. This is getting you back for the AD comments earlier. I, I'm just saying that because <laughs> I, I know you're probably gonna trash my last pick. Because, but hey, but. no, we're not. We don't have to trash your picks. Look, I think that's fair. <laughs> but I just, I just, you know, I'm I going just, with the guys I, that I, I mean, think we're going with the guys. I don't know if I like it. We have our own biases here of who we like. I, I don't think you're inaccurate with some of your statements, but. Man, Yao's my guy, so I'm going with Yao. I'm going with my guy. So, with that said, Jose, who is our last pick for this draft? You have Elgin Baylor, Patrick Ewing, Steve Nash, and Tracy McGrady. Who is your last pick? Yeah, you guys are hating. Well, Taylor's hating on me because he thinks I should draft a power forward. I am going to draft a forward, but it's not going to be a power forward. I'm getting the human highlight film. I'm getting Dominique Wilkins. He's the best player on my board. ESPN had him ranked number 46 uh, in um, the top 74 players of all time. And just his dominance, when he was in Atlanta, he was averaging 26.4 points per game and seven rebounds. And he led the league in scoring in 1985-86, and he, fin- and, and he also finished second in MVP that year. He had some great scoring seasons and uh, where he was, he'd be averaging 30 points a game, but Michael Jordan was playing in that era, so he, Michael Jordan was outscoring him. But he was a great player. Another great dunker, Danny at Vince Carter. So I needed another great dunker to combat that. And 
I think he's the best player on the board. He's a nine-time All-Star, four-time second-team All-NBA. And uh, to get him with my fifth pick is pretty good. And I think it's going to be tough. I mean, look at your teams. I have to contend against Carmelo and Charles Barkley. Maybe I'll have Patrick Ewing guard one of them, and then one of my forwards will have to guard your, your big man. But you guys are going to have to guard T-Mac and, and Dominique on the wings. So that's going to be tough for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Jose, I like the pick here. I think he's the best net guy in terms of whoever's left on the board here. He has a Hall of Fame career. He had nine all-star appearances. But here's the thing. That's the most of any player to never reach the conference finals. So not only did he not reach the NBA finals, he never reached the conference finals. Um, So that's tough, right? Um, I think he always had great players on, you know, that he always went up against. So, yeah, I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong in terms of what he did and the accomplishments and the feats and him being the human highlight film. But yeah, I don't think he's probably as close to a lot of these other guys to the actual ring. Um, But I think in terms of his greatness and guys that, um, just never got it. I think it makes sense. And, and he was the, the next best guy on my list as well. So I can understand the pick here. Come on, Danny. We just drafted Yao Ming, Vince Carter, <laughs> Jose, Penny Hardaway. Jose, you're guys, last. Jose, you didn't get close to getting. Okay. Jose. <laughs> I mean, Penny made a finals. But. Okay, Jose, your last three picks did not make the finals. Just for the record, you, Steve Nash and Jason Gray. In fact, McGrady and Dominique had no playoff success at all. So I think you're drafting some really talented See, players. But yeah, yeah I, th- hey, I look, like, but look at my first two. Look at my first two, though. Yeah, look at everyone's they, first two. They, no, my, I, first, I, my first two lost enough in the finals for all my, the rest of Jose, my team. What we're saying yeah. is you just don't have a group of winners here, Jose. Yeah, you're <laughs> we, all don't, we all don't have a group of winners. Jose, hey, was, we are more winners than yeah. you guys are. <laughs> Jose, Elgin just, Baylor and Patrick Ewing. Look, for all the crap you want to give Yao Ming, at least Yao Ming was the CBA uh, title holder and MVP. Went overseas. <laughs> yeah. Did Dominique win? He might, Dominique might have won some stuff overseas. Patrick, Patrick Ewing won the NCAA title, right? I think. Yeah. So that might count. Steve Look, Nash I mean, won my heart, though. So. <laughs> That's true. That's what matters. <laughs> Look, I mean, these are talented guys. I was a little disappointed that you didn't like try to fill in a traditional like five. Like, there, I, I feel like Danny and I really tried to do that. And so, but from a talent standpoint, Wilkins, obviously, with the All-Stars, what he meant to the game. And, I mean, and, I ha- yeah, I, I think I it's not five. a bad pick. Oh, so I, I just didn't know who to draft with the four. Maybe you guys can tell me, because that's what I'm missing, right? I'm missing a power forward. Yeah, I mean, and I, I could have drafted Dominique Wilkins, and I could have played I could have played Carl Malone at the five, you know? Or, like, Danny could have not drafted Matumbo, and he could have drafted Wilkins. And no, Carter. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm asking you guys, like, who do you guys – who? who, uh, who I think two that come to mind, maybe Chris Webber, Grant Hill. Like, I mean, power forward. Chris Weber. I, I, yeah, Chris Weber. Chris Weber was one. Yeah. I, I did have him later on. I just Chris couldn't Weber. pass up uh, Dominique. But that's okay. I, I mean, that's Weber fine. Dom, Dominique was, was so highly on this list, though, that I feel like for his talent, it, it made sense to pick him here with the last pick because I think he probably stayed on the board too long. Uh, so let's recap our teams. So my team, Charles Barkley, John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Dikembe Mutombo, Vince Carter. John Stockton obviously is going to run my point. Reggie is going to be my two. Vince Carter is going to be my three. Barkley's at the four. And Dikembe is at the five. I like my team. Really solid team. Um, and I think positionally, they all fit really well together. Yeah. Yeah, no, you, it's, you got, it's, yeah, it's a good team. Yeah, you got the best You got the best point, one of the best point guards uh, ever in John Stockton. And Charles Barkley, with your first pick, was a great pick. So that's a good team. Taylor, you have Carl Malone. George the Iceman Gervin, 
Allen Iverson, Penny Hardway, and Yao Ming. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got a really fun backcourt. Penny and Iverson, probably one of, probably easily the most popular backcourt. Jose, how much weeks do you most give them pop- before they're disgruntled with each other? <laughs> I think, yeah, I have a po- obviously from a well, po- I went with popularity with a lot of these guys. Even Yao, from a popularity standpoint, Iceman and Malone are a little bit more old school um, in terms of when they played. Uh, you know, I tried to go with a guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a power forward, and center, and who I felt was the best, and I tried, I tried to put them together. You know, maybe I could have taken Stockton with the fifth pick. That might have been nice. Or I'm, there might have been other ways I could have gone. You, could, you, you couldn't take though. Stockton. Stockton was off the board. No, I could have picked no, him. You fifth. could have on the way back. Yeah, on the way back. You could have picked so, him before Gervin. Yeah, I could have picked him. Oh, uh, my bad, my bad. Yeah, I think his so, uh, hate so towards the Jazz couldn't allow him to pick the two greatest Jazz players of all time. <laughs> I wanted Iverson too. <laughs> See, I once I picked Iverson, I was like, oh, I'm just going with guys that I love, and then Penny and Yao. I just, I just kept the theme going. Your team could go. score buckets, though. I'll, I'll give you that. Your team could score buckets. Those are our got guys. Some scoring though. leaders. Yeah, yeah, I've got some good scores. Jose, your team: Elgin Baylor, Patrick Ewing. Steve Nash, Tracy McGrady, and Dominique Wilkins. So obviously Steve Nash is running my point. Elgin Baylor, one of the best two guards. He actually has a lot of uh, size on him too. He's going to be his backcourt mate with Tracy McGrady and Dominique on the wings and Patrick Ewing holding it down as my center. It's more of a, a lineup that you would see in today's NBA. And I think there's a lot of scoring, a lot of spacing on my team too. So it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I think you have the versatility. Uh, I like the versatility on your team. I also said from a standpoint of maybe the more heartbreaking <laughs> of the players to, to not have a title, your, your team probably takes that. Yeah, so I chose them first. I got, I got all the heartbreak guys on my team. And I think with my last three picks, I didn't want too much heartbreak. So I was like, <laughs> I, want, I want to pick guys who don't make it to the finals. So there's <laughs> less heartbreak. Let's go with underachievers. Playoff underachievers. Yeah. <laughs> So, guys, two questions before we close here. Are there any players that you all feel were left out? Again, our criteria was guys that were retired. Any guys that you all feel we didn't touch on? There were some small forwards. I, I think we could have taken, like, Alex English and Bernard King. I think for us it's recency bias as far as just haven't seen, haven't seen them play, so we, that's why we didn't draft them. One person I wanted to draft, but I feel like I didn't know where to put him was Pete Maravich. Those guys would be on my list. Um, I have some others, but I'll let you guys take it from there. Yeah, obviously, Chris Weber was one that was pretty big for me that I, I think was still on the board. Um, and I think he has he was pretty close um, uh, with the Kings in 2002 and then the Detroit in 2007. Um, Grant Hill was another big kind of what if that I see there along with um, Tracy and, and Yao and other guys who – and Penny who had injuries – um, there's more old school guys that I think Nate Thurmond, Artis Gilmore, Adrian Dantley, you touched on those. Um, and then two of the three of the run TMC, Chris Mullen, Tim Hardway can also be there. There's some lists that have Gilbert arena. So I don't know how deep we want to go to <laughs> or I like thought, Sean Kemp. You know, yeah, I, thought, like I, I thought Jose was going to take Sean Kemp with his last pick. I was like, Kemp was the guy that I would, that I would have taken if I had like the last pick with the power forward, if I would have gone in a different direction. Camp Weber, some of those guys, Thurman, things are some good forwards. But I think Jose, he touched on it. Bernard King was someone I was thinking about with my last pick. And Alex English, I, I looked him up. I thought I was going to pick him because I was like, hey, I got all these scoring guys on my team. I should just throw him on there too. So I think, I think you touched on most of them. 
Yeah, I, w- I don't think I'm that high on Sean Kemp. And maybe if we ever do a Supersonics draft, that'll show. Maybe a guy, just going off the theme of you guys with like Penny Hardaway and Yao Ming, as far as like the talent was there, just the injuries. But Brandon Roy, for me, was a player that I loved watching. And I think at, at one point, Kobe talked about how hard it was for him to guard Brandon Roy because he was a great player and injuries um, led to him having a short career too. So one last question I have for you all. We talked about this earlier and we thought this would be fun to do. And we're going to briefly touch on this. But what do you all think are some of the top players in the NBA now that sort of are already in that conversation of them not having a ring or not being able to get over the hump? And uh, the criteria that I, that I wanted to put for us here tonight is that they have at least been in the league for 10 years, right? So these are guys that through their playing time have gotten a narrative of, man, they just can't get over the hump. They can't break through. What are some top guys that you all think about when we, we have this narrative applied to players currently in the league or guys that need to make, you know, that, that extra leap to win the title so they're not on this list in the future? I mean, I'll, I'll have uh, Taylor talk about the, the Rockets guys, but for me, it's, it's, it's number one player out there is Chris Paul. Uh, for his legacy-wise, just being in our era the best point guard, um, I know his era of being the best kind of was um, not as long because you had Steph Curry coming. and But just as far as his who what he brought to the table as a point guard leading the Hornets at one point and then leading the Clippers and went to the Rockets, just, just he was a great leader. And um, for me, I always thought of him as a winner, but he did have those moments in the playoffs where he didn't deliver especially those moments. I think it was the the, Thun, the Clippers-Thunder series and also the Clippers-Rockets when uh, the Rockets came back to beat him in game – was it five? I think so. Yeah. He, he's game had some six. bad games. He had a great game seven against the Spurs. He had a great yeah, shot. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. He's had some moments too where, you know, he's had some clutch shots, but he was definitely one of them. Danny, you want to know my five right now? So my uh, five well, right now – Let's talk about – yeah, I just want to add – Yeah, so my five, yeah. Let me tell you Oh, you can add on, you can add on CP3, yeah. No, no, I was just, I was just going to add, like, you know, him being one of the best point guards and um, just him being so close with 2018, sorry, Taylor, but them blowing that 3-2 lead, um, I think that, that one must have really hurt um, him. And, but I think even in his 15-year career, the fact that he's still, you know, dominant even now with OKC and the fact that he changed his diet, he's still finding ways to improve. Um, you know, my hope is that he's going to be valued more and possibly maybe get traded to a contender. We'll see here, but I, I, another big what if for me is that what if he actually would have gotten traded to the Lakers and what him and Kobe could have done on the team together? You know, that's a big what if um, for him in terms of his career and his trajectory and how that would have gone. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I think Chris Paul is definitely, you know, on, on top of my list when I think about players. Go ahead, Taylor. You were going to give some other names. Well, yeah, and he really struggled last year. I mean, the reason why they didn't beat the Warriors was he really had a bad game five when Durant got hurt in that fourth quarter when they couldn't win. And then obviously he was better in game six, but it just wasn't enough. I think Chris Paul, obviously from a guard standpoint, you know, from a center standpoint, Dwight Howard probably needs to win one and maybe he'll get one this year. He's definitely one of the best ever. You know, you have Carmelo. He hasn't won one. Is he going to get one? And then you have the two Rockets guys now with Harden and Westbrook. And in terms of what, what it could mean for their career and Harden's probably the one who has the most, I don't want to say pressure, but him, just in terms of him being so dominant in the regular season and then having, 
you know, a few moments in the playoffs where, you know, he struggled. Not necessarily last year, but in some of the previous years. I think he's definitely probably the top on the list now, him and Paul. And then Westbrook, Mello, and Dwight were the guys that I thought of as like, hey, these are the guys that if they won one, it would matter. And they've had that talent for so long and haven't done it. That's a really good way to think about it. We could almost form our top five team currently in the NBA. And I think those five guys would be it. CP3, Westbrook, Carter, and Carmelo, and Dwight. Um, yeah, and three of them three of them went to the finals, right? Like yeah, Dwight, Dwight and, and, and Russ and, Russ and Harden. Yeah. yeah, so three of them have been there um, and lost, and the other two have not. But, yeah, I think having these five there is, um, is safe. And, and, you know, all of them being in the bubble, so all of them have a chance this year, right? But, but I do think that these guys definitely would make the clear list of guys who – um, if they won a title, it completely changed kind of the narrative of their careers. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with the top five here, too. I think they'd be in my top five, too. Thanks for letting us draft, Danny. This was fun. <laughs> this was great, Danny. Thank you for giving us the pleasure to do this. Yeah, and it makes me more excited to see who's going to win a title this year. Uh, there are some guys that haven't won titles, so I'm excited for the team who is going to give the opportunity to some guys to to have some rings. So who knows, maybe – you know, one of the five names we, we set out here might, might win one this year. So that's exciting. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for tuning in. We really appreciate you, again, taking time out of your day. We know that you could be listening to anyone or doing anything uh, for like the hour and a half that you listen to us. So we really appreciate you all taking time to be with us. Again, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, ideas, we'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to email us at withthefirstpickpodcast at gmail.com. In addition, we also have an Instagram. So if you'd like to follow us there for content um, or give us any comments there, uh, our Instagram is with the first pick podcast. Thank you so much again for tuning in. We appreciate you. Um, we'll talk to you next time.